You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Transformers, Part 4. Enjoy. I hope you're, you're ready for fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit. It's the only kind of fire that makes new. That, that, that doesn't destroy, it makes new. Uh, it, it rejuvenates. It heals. And it's His Holy Spirit. So when we come together, any place, whether it's here on a Sunday morning or get-togethers in our homes, we're, we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And we're mindful that He's always about making whole. That's God's agenda, making whole. You know, that's what saved means. I, I, we hear a lot of talk about being saved, but in the Scriptures, the word saved in Greek literally means made whole. That anyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be made whole. Right? That God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, wholeness. So we're receiving wholeness from you this morning, Holy Spirit. We're, we're mindful of your, your person here, your presence. We open our hearts and we say, transform us. Mold us and shape us. Take us higher. Take us deeper into your amazing love and plan and purpose for our lives. We hold nothing back. We give you our everything. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been having fun around here the last few weeks. Uh, Four Sundays ago, I think it was, Debbie shared the word on Psalm 23. And then Jennifer shared with us on Stringing Pearls uh, two Sundays ago. And then Jennifer and I shared from that same uh, parable last Sunday. But prior to that, we had started back in September. I think it was around the second Sunday in September. We started a series called Transformers. And we're going to get back into that because we're, we're just some good stuff we want to we grab a hold of. All right? So we're getting back into our series, Transformers. And uh, just to kind of freshen it up, because it's been, I guess, about four weeks now, you guys remember the cartoon, the, the, the story Transformers, the 1980s hit? Anyway, the Transformers was a story of alien beings coming to planet Earth, and they crash-landed, and you had the Autobots and the Decepticons. The Autobots were the good guys, the Decepticons were, were the bad guys, and they were in this epic battle to find an energy source. And there is a, a song that we all know now, if you guys can remember, right? It, was, uh, it says, Transformers, more than meets the eye. Yeah, that's right. So these Transformers are really cool. There was a whole lot more to them than your eyes could see. And they could transform into a different shape, into a different function. Well, the same is true of you. There's a whole lot more to you than your eyes can see. There's a whole lot more to life than your eyes can see. The, the reality is we're spirits, and we're living in a physical body, but we're spirits. And if your, physical, if your spirit leaves your physical body, your physical body stops, okay? So your spirit can exist apart from your physical body, but your physical body can't exist apart from your spirit because you're a spirit. The spirit is infinitely greater than the, than, the, than the physical, okay? So we're a spirit, and this life we're living, there's a spiritual realm all around us. And it sounds kind of sci-fi or hocus-pocus, but it's not. It's just real. It's just some of the fundamentals of, of being on the earth is the spirit realm. And there's a spiritual warfare happening. And there are Decepticons. 
trying to steal from us. Demons, spirits of darkness, whispering in our ears sometimes, trying to pull us in a direction that's going to do us damage, trying to uh, confuse us, trying to put a dark cloud in front of God so that we don't receive the good things that he has for us. But we're not giving in to the Decepticons. We're going to stay with Optimus Prime, right? We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. The reality is, is God's Spirit is beckoning. God's Spirit is calling, saying, I have a destiny for you. You've got places to go. You've got things to do. Come and follow me. Come and run with me. Let me show you the good things that I have in store for your life. So we're being transformed. And we're transformed when we discard wrong ideas about God, when we discard man-made religion, and we believe who he really is. It transforms us. And we, we started talking about some of these things um, back in, in September. And we found there's a lot of misinformation about God. A lot of stuff said, God, said about God from churches that's simply just not true. And this is one of the things I love about God, is God is not the product of my Bible study. God is not the product of my education. God is not the product of my beliefs. God is God all by himself. So isn't that wonderful that whether or not I believe in him, he's still God. Well, the same is true of us, right? I mean, Brian is Brian, whether I believe that Brian exists or not, right? So if I don't believe that Brian exists, it doesn't change the fact that he's still there. What it does, it hinders my, my ability to know him, right? So our beliefs don't create God. God's not a figment of our imagination. What we believe doesn't determine who he is. But what we believe determines how much of him we experience. So important to understand that. And someone said to me when I was at a, uh, a men's event, they said, well, well, you probably started a church because you wanted uh, to have a place where people believe as you believe. And I, I, I didn't say anything. I was just kind of listening to a conversation. But that's not true. We didn't start a church because we want to have people believe as we believe. We started a church because we want to have a place where people can come and know God, apart from what I believe. Just meet him, right? Apart from man's religious doctrines. Because he's God all by himself. We don't have to create any doctrines. We don't have to create any belief system. All we have to do is open, open up our hearts and believe in him. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, so we talked about some things. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. I love it. I love that sound. That's good. You talk all you want, right? I love that sound. Don't hesitate. Uh, Matthew 9, 27. I love this. Our beliefs don't determine who God is. Isn't that great? He is who he is all by himself. Our beliefs do determine, however, how much of God we experience. And this is a powerful passage here. Here's Jesus, God in the flesh, in verse 27 of Matthew 9. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. They couldn't see physically. Calling out, have mercy on us, son of David, they said. That's very revealing. 
Why is that revealing? That was a, a, prof, a prophetic term. That was a messianic term. In other words, these two blind men recognized Jesus for who he was. Very important. Very important. Okay? They didn't, they, 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 they didn't call him um, Bub or Hey You. They said Son of David. In other words, we recognize who you really are. Now, not everyone called him that. So these men were stepping out in faith. There were people that called Jesus demon-possessed. Crazy. So these men chose to believe in who Jesus really was, regardless of what others were saying around him. And boy, did they, did they benefit from that. Look what happens in verse 28. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? That's a great question. There are some who believe that God is able, but sometimes you might be facing something and you may not want to admit it, but it seems like, I mean, is this really even possible? Can God really heal me of this? So he asked them that question, do you believe that I'm able to do this without hesitation? Yes, Lord. They've, called, they've recognized who he is and they've stated it twice. Son of David, Lord, without hesitation, with passion. They've, they're loudly declaring who he is no matter what anyone else says in their lives. And that's so important. He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They say, yes, Lord. And in verse 29, we're given one of the, the foundational principles of life for everybody. And it's so good. Now, Jesus touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Notice he didn't say according to God's will. He said, according to your faith. In other words, what you believe about me is what you'll experience. That's huge. That's huge. Matthew chapter 9, verse 30, and then it says, and their eyes were open, which we know what they believed. We saw it already, right? Son of David. Yes, Lord. According to your faith, be it done unto you. And their eyes were open. When the eyes of your heart see him, as he is, your natural eyes will open. Yeah. Yeah. Healing comes. The message translation says it this way. This is amazing. Become what you believe. <laughs> Man, that's powerful, isn't it? So listen, it's time to start believing in who he really is instead of the misinformation that's out there instead of what others are saying about them. Even if they're pastors or ministers or large ministries, worldwide ministries, it's time to take Jesus at his word. Listen, it's time to know him. It's time to believe him, to take him at his word and let him transform us. And that's what this series is about. We're being transformed. Do you know knowing him is what eternal life is, right? That's what eternal life is. Eternal life isn't about going to heaven. It's not. If you have eaternal life, if you know him, you'll be there. Heaven's your home. But eternal life is about being in an intimate relationship 
with the one who made you. I love how it says it in John 17, 3 in the Amplified. Look at this. Now, this is Jesus talking, right? This is God in the flesh. He says, and this is eternal life. In other words, I'm going to define it for you because there's a lot of confusion out there about the things of God, right? A lot of misinformation. Jesus came to clear that up, right. right? He says, this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, to become acquainted with, and to understand you. <laughs> That's so good. The only true and real God. And likewise, to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the Son of David, the Anointed One, the Messiah, whom you have sent. So this is what eternal life is. It's knowing him as he is. Not as we want him to be or as man has told us he is, but as he really is. He is I am. He was. He ever shall be. And Paul got a hold of this. And I love how Paul said it. And this is our purpose at Highway Church. Now we'll do Philippians 3.10. This is what Paul said. He said, for my determined purpose, my whole life now is all about this, that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That's good. We're going to stop there. We're going to move on to some other scriptures. So this is what we're, we're, we're all about at Highway Church, knowing him as he is. And, and that is simple, but it can be confusing and difficult because of all the misinformation out there of all the things that you may have been taught growing up or you may be hearing now. And there may be things you've believed about God for 30 years that just aren't true. And if you keep believing those things, they'll block your, your ability to receive from Him. Okay? So well, let's get into another. So we talked about, we talked about two things in this series so far, two, two wrong ideas of God, two man-made religious doctrines. One of them was self-atonement. Do you remember that? There's this teaching in religion that's very prevalent, is that you have to atone for your sins. Right? You've got to go through a system of religious rituals to somehow atone for or partially atone for your sins, to try and please God, or to try and take away some of the punishment that you deserve. And religion is that. It's a system of trying to please God, right? And we saw how wrong that is. And again, you can go to our website, highwaychurch.us. It's free. And click on the podcast button and go back to Transformers Part 1. And you can listen to this more in depth. We talked about self-atonement. And the reason that's wrong is because Jesus atoned for your sins. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do it, okay? In order for our sins to be atoned for, it requires a perfect sacrifice. Jesus was that perfect sacrifice, and it was a once-for-all sacrifice, okay? We're not going to go back into that. The next thing we talked about was baptism. You remember that? When we say baptism, most people think of water, right? It's because they haven't been taught, okay? The baptism the Bible teaches is faith in Christ. Baptism literally means to become one with, to identify with, to be united to. Yeah. 
So when anyone puts their faith in Christ, they're baptized in him. They become one with him. They are identified with him, whether they ever get in water or not. Water baptism in the Bible was done, which went back to the Jewish tradition of, con of, of conversion in taking the, what's the name of the bath they would take? Brian, you remember the, uh, for conversion? I forget. But they would do that when someone converted into Judaism. They would sit in the water and take a bath. And I, I, can't, I don't want to say the wrong name. Anyway, but uh, water baptism was done to symbolize what had already happened to a person spiritually. So water baptism is good. It's, it's a scriptural thing, but it doesn't save anybody. Water baptism is a physical picture of what's already happened spiritually. Okay, When I put my faith in Christ, the old me dies and the new me is raised up. That's what water baptism is. When you're water baptized, you go into the water like the old you's buried and the new you comes up. All right? Okay. But the act of that doesn't save you. It's just uh, a way of physically uh, giving you something to see, to identify with, to help you grasp what's happened inside of you, okay? All right, now we're getting into a big one. Are you ready? You might want to jump up and down a little bit. Wake yourself up. Get your seatbelt on. Are you ready, Ray? We're going to go into a big one here. All right, is it okay if we go? This, one's, this is a biggie. It's big. Oh, it's big. But it's good. We need to talk about it because we, we don't want anything in the way of what the good things God has for you. We want you to live the abundant life Jesus came to give you. Here it is. Are you ready? Fate. F-A-T-E. This is a biggie. This concept of fate is huge in religion. It's this idea that your life is beyond your control. That there's this supernatural power out there determining every outcome of life. Fate. This is a biggie. And many Christians, although they wouldn't um, think of themselves as superstitious, can be superstitious. <laughs> and instead of calling it the stars, or what do you call it? Uh, I'm an Aries, I'm a... Uh, a horse cups, yeah, or, or they, they won't call it that. They'll give it another name like God's will. But it's still superstition. You okay? You guys remember the song? I like the song. It's a great Christmas song. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. You know, you know the words of that song? What's, uh, yeah, yeah, through the years we'll always be together. If the fates allow. Who are the fates? Really? I want to I know. If the faith, but no, I'm not putting the song down. I, I can't wait to sing it on a few. We don't start too usually after Thanksgiving, but uh, anyway, but who are the fates? That's how prevalent this kind of thinking is in the world and in the church. You know, the fates have names. In Greek and Roman mythology, the fates were three goddesses. Did you know that? Yeah. And you know our culture was heavily influenced by Greek and Roman civilization. Our system of government, heavily influenced by Greek and Roman democracy, right? And some other stuff came with that. Well, in Greek and Roman mythology, the fates 
were the three goddesses who preside over the birth and life of humans. Each person's destiny was thought of as a thread, spun, measured, and cut by the three fates. You want to know what their names are? Clotho, Lachesis, and Atropos. So we say, through the years, we'll always, we'll always be together if Clotho, Lachesis, and Atropos allow, right? Wouldn't it be hard to sing that, wouldn't it? Actually, in Scandinavian mythology, it has the same thing, but they have a different name for it. They call it nor, nor, Norns, N-O-R-N-S. And in Scandinavian mythology, the fates are three virgin goddesses of destiny, Erd, Verdandi, and Skuld. Through the years, we'll all be together if Erd... Verdandi and Skuld allow, who sit by the well of fate at the base of the ash tree Yggdrasil and spin the web of fate. Yeah. This whole concept of fate is based on ignorance of God. This whole idea that there's some supernatural power controlling every outcome of life is not scriptural. Jesus did not teach this. The Bible does not teach this. Hold on. We're going to go through this. We're going to see in the scriptures, all right? This is big, so don't turn me off. This might shock you, but I do that a lot. You know that by now, right? So this is huge. But this whole concept of fate or the fates is based on a lack of knowledge of who God really is. Hosea 4.6, let's put that up there. God said this, and he said this about his people, not about pagans, but about people who look to him as their God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Knowledge of him. Knowledge of who he really is. In other words, my people have believed wrong things about me. And it's given the enemy doorways into their lives to destroy them. My people have elevated what man says above what I say. And it brings destruction. Now, this ignorance has made God a mystery, even in in churches. A mystery to so many, and God doesn't want to be a mystery. He never wanted to be a mystery. He wants to be known by you. And faith says you can never know for sure what God's going to do. You ever heard that? I've heard that from, from ministers. You can never know for sure what God will do. You can never know for sure what God's will is. Let's look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. The Bible doesn't teach that. You can never know for sure what God's going to do. Man does. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Amen. But (laughs) those things which are revealed belong to us. Can you guys see? Yeah, and to our children for 60 days, money back guarantee. Forever, right? 
Let's read that again. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Right, Ray? Yeah. That we may do all the words of this law. Look how the message says it. Oh, I like this. God, our God, will take care of the hidden things, but the revealed things are our business. Remember what Jesus said? According to your faith, be it done unto you. Jesus was revealed as the healer. Right? Do you know that? Take care of the hidden things, but the revealed things are our business. It's up to us, not the fates. Right? It's up to us and our children to attend to all the terms in this revelation. It's up to us to know him as the son of David. It's up to us to take him at his word. Wow. This is a very different way of thinking than what I knew growing up. So there's a phrase out there. I hear it so much. Before a Christian prays, they say, Lord, if it be your will. You heard that before or prayed that way before? Lord, if it be your will. And it sounds really good. But oftentimes it's ignorant. Now it's fine to say, you know, God, if it be your will, if we're praying about something that hasn't been revealed yet. Okay? There are things that haven't been revealed. I mean, a great example is when Jesus is coming back. They asked Jesus about it. He said, only the Father knows the day, right? And how many people have I seen in, in my walk with the Lord claiming they know the day that he's coming back? I mean, they're down to the date on a calendar, you know? And so what do I, I know right away? They're ignorant, right? That's something the Father hasn't revealed to us in the Scriptures. However, he has given us prophecies and signs to look for. So we're not ignorant of the times and the seasons. But I can't tell you God's coming back on October 30th. I don't know that. Right? There are other there are things, details about my future I don't know. I can't say, you know, I'm going to be living in Dighton in 2020. I don't know that. I'm going to be following Christ. I'm going to be fulfilling my destiny. We're believing God for multiple homes. Right? You know what Jesus said? Anyone who follows me will have 100 times as much. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have a home in Dighton and a home in a few other places. We'll see. We're believing God. But I don't know those things. I don't know the specific details of my future. So there are some things, if it hasn't been revealed, it's okay to say if it be God's will. But if it's been revealed, it's not okay to say if it be God's will. Okay? It's never fine to say if it be God's will if it's already been revealed. And we need to know what's been revealed. See, religion keeps you in the dark about God's will. Religion keeps you in the dark about what God has revealed to us already in Christ. Are you ready? Let's look at this in John chapter 8. So wrong beliefs, wrong believing, wrong beliefs, wrong ideas of God keep us in the dark. But Jesus is the light. He's the answer to every question about God. Isn't that great? 
And the more you'll just take Jesus at his word, at his word the more you'll be transformed. So in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaks and he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible to be a Christian and walk in darkness? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. How? By believing wrong stuff. By believing what man says, exalting that over what God says. You can be a Christian for 20 years and be in the dark about what God has revealed to us through Christ. All right? So knowing the revealed will of God, knowing his true nature, transforms us. Now I'm going to get come into, let's go into one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 1, and it's verse 3. We're going to start in verse 1. All right? Jesus is the revealed will of God. He came to take away your question marks about God. All right? He's the answer we're looking for. We'll start in verse 1. Verse 3 is the one I want to get to, but let's start in verse 1. Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, this is Old Testament, right? In many portions and in many ways, in these last days, New Testament, has spoken to us in his Son. That's Jesus whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Here it is, verse 3. I, I believe probably, uh, if not the most, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute here. This is speaking about Jesus. It says, Jesus, and Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of, of his nature. There is no difference between the will and nature of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and the will and nature of God now. None. Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. He wasn't a lesser form of God. He wasn't a beta version, right? He was the real thing. In fact, uh, the message, verse 3, says it this way. The Son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. Why is this the most, or one of the most important scriptures? Because if, if what I believe about God doesn't agree with the ministry of Jesus, I've made a mistake. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, first five books of the New Testament. We see Jesus as clear as day. We see God in the flesh. And you know what we see him doing? Teaching, preaching, and healing. We see him forgiving people. You know, I'm amazed by sometimes people's reactions to sin. You know, something's revealed that so-and-so in the news did something sinful, and Christians will come out, oh, how horrible, oh, how disgusting. What did Jesus do when a woman caught in adultery was brought to him? 
Did he say, oh, I'm, I'm disgusted by your sin. How horrible. What a wretch you are. No, he said, I'm the light of the world. Do you know the verse we read earlier? John chapter 8, verse 12 comes right after. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then he said, I'm the light of the world. Same chapter. Go and read it yourself. They brought a woman, they condemned a woman in sin, and he, wasn't, he didn't hang his head, and, and, and he wasn't uh, appalled at her conduct. He said, where are your accusers? Let him who has a, uh, with, without sin, let him cast the first stone. The accusers walked away, and he said, woman, where are your accusers? In other words, I'm not an accuser. God is not an accuser. Satan is the accuser. I don't accuse you. I love you. I've come so you might have life and life abundantly. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then he said, I'm the light of the world. Okay? So we look to Jesus to determine what God's will is. So I can meet someone from the other side of the world. I don't have to know anything about them, and I can tell them without reservation, it's God's will to forgive you. No matter what they've done, I can tell them that. Isn't that great? And they said, but, 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 but you don't know what I did, and you don't know how many times I did it. I said, well, it really doesn't matter. I know him. I know his true nature. I know his revealed will. It's to forgive you. I don't have to go and pray in a closet for 20 hours or, or fast. I know his revealed will. It's to forgive you. Right? Isn't that wonderful? I know that. You know that, right? So we can minister grace to everyone we meet instead of judgment and condemnation. My personal experience, I've seen the church too often as an instrument of condemnation, not as God's voice. And it needs to stop, doesn't it? Well, you see it a lot of election time. I hear leaders in the body of Christ saying things like, what are they doing? What are they doing? You know, let's tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. Right? Let's, let, let's bring life instead of condemnation. So the, Jesus is it, see? So you won't find one instance of Jesus condemning someone. You know, God has never sent anyone to hell. Never. If anyone goes there, it's because of the choice, because of a choice they make. It's never God's will for anyone to be destroyed. Never. Now, have people gone there? Of course. Right? But it wasn't God's will for that to happen. Now, so if Jesus is the mirror of God, the will of God, have you ever noticed you won't find one example in the ministry of Jesus, not one in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or Acts, where he tells someone that the sickness in their life is something God is using to teach them. You won't find one example of that in the ministry of Jesus. Why? Because it's not true. God has never... And we're going to go through the scriptures and see this. We won't have time for it all today. But stay with me. God has never used sickness to teach anyone anything. Would you do that as a parent? I hope not. You're, you're confused. You're twisted, if you would, right? We're going to go through the scriptures and look at this. 
You won't find one instance of that. And so if we can't find one instance of that in the ministry of Jesus, why do so many believers believe that? Because they've been told that. They've heard wrong information. There's a sickness in their life that they've been struggling with, and some other minister or someone comes along and says, well, you know, the Lord will use that to, to help teach you or keep you humble. Where did they get that from? Not Jesus. They may have pulled it out of the Bible, but they've done so in error. We're going to see that. There are a lot of things in the Bible that have been misunderstood. And we're going to look at as many as we can, all right? But they didn't get it from Jesus. You know, you can read the Bible and not know Jesus. Yeah, because you read it with religious goggles on, right? So I want to say this. The Bible is not the answer Jesus is. We find Jesus in the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. It is the infallible Word of God. But it can be turned into a religious weapon that keeps people away from God because it's taken out of context or spoken of in ignorance. All right? So the Scriptures are our standard, but we have to keep them in context and we have to rightly divide them. Or it's devastating. Right? It, it can kill. But we don't do that here, right? We, we minister life. Okay, so let's see here. What, what do we have time to get into? Oh, this is going to be so good. All right. So Jesus has taken away this mystery about God. He's taken away that, that religious shroud, that I don't know what he's really like. He's taken that away, and... He's given us a very clear picture of the Father's heart. Let's look at this. Let's go a little farther. John 14. John chapter 14. Make sure we have time to get through this here. Okay. There's so many. This is, make sure you're here. Don't miss these upcoming Sundays. I'm telling you, there's so much good stuff coming your way. Oh, it's just so good. John 14. Let's start in verse 6. So we're looking to Jesus now. And we're letting him transform us, right? Transformers more than meets the eye. All right, John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth. What's he the truth about? God, right? I, I'm the revealed will of God. And the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, look what Philip says in verse 8. This is great. <laughs> Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Wait, Jesus, he's talking about the Father, not you. They're one and the same. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. Have I been with you so long and yet you have known me? How could you believe I would ever use sickness to teach you anything? Haven't you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts? Listen, if I read a portion of the Bible in the Old Testament or the New Testament and I come to a conclusion about God's will that doesn't agree with the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, I've made a mistake so important, okay? 
So you can take scriptures from the Old Testament or the epistles and try and justify what you believe, but if it doesn't agree with the ministry of Jesus, you've made a mistake. All right? So look at this. So, uh, so Lord chose the Father, verse 9, Jesus said to him, I haven't been with you so long. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Man, that, that set me free when I read that back in 1989. Anybody know how long ago that was? A long time ago. Yeah, that set me free. Wow. I'm looking at the Father when I'm reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So how can you say, show us the Father? So we're not Old Testament Christians. We're not Old Testament people. We're New Testament sons and daughters of God. We know the Father. We're not wondering what He's like. We study Jesus and we're, we're, we're understanding Him better and better every day. We're growing more intimately acquainted with Him every day. We're Jesus people, right? And so often Christians are Old Testament thinkers. But you know, who's greater, Moses or Jesus? Jesus, right? No contest, right? Look what John 1.17 says. For the law was given by Moses, and most Christians stop right there. And that's what they preach. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments won't change the conduct of our schools? What will change it? Jesus. Yes. The next part of this verse is what changes the conduct of our schools. But grace and truth didn't come by Moses. They came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth will change our schools. Grace and truth will change the way we live. Not the law. All right? Grace and truth. Only Jesus could bring those. It took the Son of God to bring those. The message says this, this way. We got the basics from Moses. <laughs> and look, just digest this one. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. I like that. This exuberant giving, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. This exuberant giving and receiving, God gives, we receive, right? This endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. So we're people of faith. Faith is knowing. Fate is not knowing. Faith defies fate. Because faith knows and faith doesn't. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is being sure of who God is. Are you sure of his will for your life? That's faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. God wants you to know his will for your life. He wants you to be sure and certain of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. You can't receive forgiveness from God if you're not sure. How can I be forgiven if I don't know it's God's will to forgive me? I can't. What confidence do I have to come before God? 
Really? How can I receive healing from God if I don't know it's His will for me to be healed? That's why God, if it's your will, heal me doesn't work. Because God's revealed it that it's His will. So we don't say, God, if it be your will, heal me. We say, Father, thank you that Jesus himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And with the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. Big difference. That's faith talking. Faith is certain. Faith is sure. Religion tells you that faith is blind. Or faith is kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. No, Bible faith is sure and certain knowledge of his will. Sure and certain knowledge of his will. If you don't have sure and certain knowledge of his will, study Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Just read it, read it, read it. I share with you before one of the things I did that I really enjoyed. I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts straight through in 10 days. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts in 10 days. Then in the end of 10 days, I did it again. Straight through another 10 days. In 10 days, I did it again. 30 days, I read through it three times. And I did it in the Amplified Translation because I wanted to get a clearer picture of Jesus. And then I did it again. After that, I did it twice. So two, two 30-day periods where I was just reading through Jesus. Jesus and it changed my life. And I did that many years ago in the mid-'90s, I think. Hallelujah. Okay. We're, we're going to wrap it up with this. And this is so good. You better have your seatbelts on here. All right? So 1 John 5.14 says this. Now this is the confidence. See, there's nothing unsure about faith. I want you to know that. There's nothing unsure about faith. There's no wondering about faith. That's fate. Okay? Faith doesn't wonder. Fate does. Faith knows. Fate doesn't. Okay? This is the confidence. We have confidence. We're not a, a fearful people. We're confident people. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, wow, that's bold, isn't it? Anything according to his will. How can we ask anything according to his will if he hasn't revealed his will? Right? He revealed his will in Christ. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, so we know, we're sure, we're certain that he hears us. We don't have to pray long prayers so that he'll hear us. We know he hears us. We're sure and certain. He's attentive to us. Whatever we ask, we know. How many times does it say no in there? There's two in that verse. Confidence, we know, we know, we're sure, we're certain that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. This is a different way of living. Why is this important? Listen, your faith won't go any farther than the question marks you have of God. If you've got a big question mark in your heart about whether or not it's God's will, you can't have faith for that. Jesus came to take your question marks away. Here it is, last scripture. Are you ready? We're going to go to the energy bar gospel. Do you know what the energy bar gospel is? Mark, let's go to Mark. Why do I call it the energy bar gospel? Because Mark jumps right into the power of God in his gospel. He doesn't give a whole lot of uh, leeway. He just jumps right in. <laughs> All right? So I like Mark. He says, let's get right down to it here. Mark, the energy bar gospel. Verse 40. 
Now, a leper, I'm sorry, chapter 1. Did I tell you that? Chapter 1, verse 40. Now, a leper came to Jesus. A leper comes to the mirror of God, to the exact representation of God's nature. And he implores him, kneeling down to him and saying to him. So he has a reverence for God, doesn't he? Now, look what he says. This is a little different than the blind men in Matthew chapter 8. He says, not if you are able, he said, it's not a question of his ability, excuse me. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, let me like jump back to Matthew. What those guys say back there? Oh, well, actually, Jesus asked them. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? So it wasn't their statement, but his. So in Matthew chapter 8, it was a question of God's ability, okay? In Mark chapter 1, it's not a question of his ability. It's a question of his will. You see that? If you are willing, you can make me clean. So what is the question, Mark, in this sick man's mind and heart? Is it God's will to heal me? Lots of people with that question mark in their hearts today, been in churches for years and have heard wrong things. So he's got this huge question mark. He knows that God has the power to heal him. That's not in question. But he doesn't know if it's really his will. But he knows if it's his will, he's healed. He's convinced of that, right? Now, here it is. This is the kicker. Seatbelts are on. We're ready. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him. Stop. Nothing happened. He reached out his hand, and he touched him, and the man was not healed. We're going to keep reading. Stay with me. Touching him was an act of compassion. You weren't supposed to go near lepers, let alone touch them. That must have impacted the man tremendously, that he reached out without hesitation and put his clean hand on his diseased skin. But you know what? When he touched his skin, nothing changed. Say, how do I know? It tells us in the next verse, but hold on. We're not going there yet. Stay with me. So Jesus reaches out and touches him, and then he says something to him that removes the question mark in this man's heart. I am willing. Just destroyed that question mark forever. I am willing. Be cleansed. Look at verse 42. 42, and as soon as he had spoken, not touched him, the touch didn't do it, the word did. As soon as he had spoken, the question mark was destroyed and the door was open for this man to receive the healing that God wanted to bring into his life all along. And immediately, when that question mark goes, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Wow. I'm telling you, you need to destroy every question mark in your life with the word. Because if you're trying to receive healing, you're trying, and there's a question mark in there, it won't happen. But go to Jesus and realize it's his will for you to be whole. No questions asked. 
It's been revealed. Jesus revealed the will of God, and because it's been revealed to us, it belongs to us and to our children forever. It's a different way of living, isn't it? Yes, amen. Amen. Faith defies faith, right? Interesting. You know the word faith? I looked up the word faith, the origin of it. You know where it comes from? It comes from the Latin fatum, which means that which has been spoken. From the, from the uh, verb uh, to speak. What did God say in Proverbs 18.21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I wish we had time to keep going. There's, we're going to get into uh, next week some, this more deeply. And we're going to look at some scriptures that people have taken out of context to tell other people that God is using sickness to teach them something, okay? We're going to go through some different scriptures, and it's going to transform us. But, you, but my, my hope is that when we're done, that every question mark inside of you is destroyed with the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that just like the leper, you can receive the abundant life that God has for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, you have removed the question marks from our hearts by sending your son Jesus. You've revealed your will to us regarding healing, regarding forgiveness, regarding righteousness, regarding your nature by sending your son. And, and God, you've given us your word to read. Every day we can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we can see Jesus in the flesh. Lord, we exalt your word above everything we've ever heard. We exalt Jesus above every religious doctrine, above every religious tradition, above every belief and idea. And we take you at your word, Jesus. You are willing, and we believe. And we thank you for your will revealed to us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.